0: Gospel according to Matthew, the 28th chapter.
1: Glory, Glory to you,
0: O Lord. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. And Jesus said to him, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers and sisters to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated.
1: Well, Mary Magdalene and another Mary, as we just heard, they come to the tomb that early Easter morning. They are consumed with grief and sorrow, and when they come to the tomb, they expect nothing different. Maybe they feel like they have nowhere else to go. Many of us who've been in grief, at times, we're like, what do we do with this grief? How do we live through it? It can feel like life has lost its meaning and purpose. So the women come to the tomb just expecting more death, and of course we heard that's not what they get. Instead, they get news of resurrection, and they get to meet the crucified and risen Jesus on the road. It's this impossibly great news that we celebrate this Easter morning. But so often, we know that's not where we live. So often, we remain at the grave still waiting for resurrection and new life to come. So often the Easter news seems too impossible, like it's too good to be true. And the thing is, it was no different that first Easter morning. Not everybody celebrated that day. Not everyone experienced resurrection and new life. Our gospel reading ended hearing that suddenly Jesus met them, they worshiped him, and then he sends them to go and tell. But the story goes on. So if we read further in the Gospel of Matthew, here's what we read. While the women were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests everything that had happened. After the priests had assembled with the elders, they devised a plan to give a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, you must say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and will keep you out of trouble. So the guards took the money and did as they were directed. And this story is still told among the Jews to this day.
0: One of the things that I love about Matthew's gospel is that it includes the story of the resurrection from the guard's perspective. We often skip this part of the story. We don't tell this as a part of the Easter story, but it's there right after the story of the resurrection. Those in power come up with a story. The disciples came and stole him. That's the story we're going to run with, and so they reinforce this with one another through bribery. The guards who shook and became like dead men at the sight of the angel remain closed to the power of transformation, basically to save face in front of the governor. They tell a story where God is not active in the world, and everything has a perfectly reasonable explanation. That story then shapes their lives. God's not active in the world. Death is just the end. And this story can become seductive because it often feels like there's so much death and grief and loss in the world. We've all struggled with this in the face of such loss. But when fear and despair shape our lives, it can close us off to God, much like it does to the guards and the religious leaders in this part of the story. When we become closed off to God in these ways, we live this closed story and suddenly discover that we, like the guards, have become like the dead.
1: So according to the Gospel, that first Easter morning offers us two stories. One of them will shape our lives. The question is, which one will it be? Is our God active or not? So there's the opening story with news of resurrection and Jesus, the living Jesus meeting the women on the road. And that news says, absolutely. Jesus is present and is working new life for us every single day.
0: Then there's another story, one shaped by fear, one shaped by a need to protect yourself at all costs, to only look at the world and at your life from what is already known and to expect that nothing will change, ever. So one of these stories will shape our lives. And our question this morning is, which one will that be?
1: And sometimes it's both. There are times when the new life that we long and pray for, there are places in our lives where we we will not fully experience that until the last day when Jesus comes to earth to be with us again and make all things whole and well. But in the meantime... I do trust that God is working new life for us. It's just it's not always easy to see.
0: Last month, a few of us from Calvary went to a larger church event, and we got to hear Dr. Andy Root, a professor at Luther Seminary, speak. And he's done a whole bunch of research, and during some conversations, interviews that he had with people, he asked them, Have you ever had an experience where you felt really ministered to? like you felt so ministered to that you felt like it was the presence of Jesus Christ?
1: And I've been really thinking about that question, and for me, so often it's through other people, often people in the community of faith. And I've shared this story before, so I'm not going to go into details today, but I think one of the most powerful ways where I felt like I've been ministered to by Jesus was when I was recovering from cancer surgery. And the way people brought meals to me, or they wrote cards, or they spoke words of encouragement exactly where I needed them. And they didn't know that was exactly what I needed, but it came at exactly the right moment. And I felt so ministered to by Jesus then.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I remember uh, the summer before I graduated from college, I I stood at this kind of fork in the road. Down one road was seminary in California. Down another was being a high school English teacher, so student teaching and all of that. And uh, I was really stressed out about this, and I received a, some mail, right, kind of in the middle of this struggle, some mail that came from a friend, and it was a letter that had a burned CD in it, you know, back from that, the time when we used to share music with burned CDs. And she wrote, I was praying the other day, and you came to mind, and something told me that you really needed to hear this song. And so on this CD was just one song, and it was called, I Will Not Take My Love Away. And the words are, I will not take my love away. When praises cease and seasons change, the whole world turns the other way. I will not take my love away. I will not leave you all alone. When striving leads you far from home, when there's no yield for what you've sown, I will not leave you all alone. I will not take my love away. And it spoke this powerful word of love and care to me in a time when I was kind of feeling like my back was up against the wall.
1: And I've never heard that song before, but thank you for sharing it. Um, I just think it's so amazing how the Holy Spirit nudged that person, you know, to send that CD, and she probably had no idea what it would mean to you. And I wonder how often that happens when the Holy Spirit nudges us And we don't know how much it will mean, what it will do for someone else when we respond. Eric had mentioned that we went to this church event recently and we got to hear Andy Rood, a professor at Luther Seminary. And he shared a story at that church event. And we're going to share it with you today. He was doing some research. And so he was out in Seattle and he was interviewing some people about their faith and their experience of God. And so he interviewed this woman named Rachel And the interview was not at all going well. He was like, she does not want to be here. She answered every single question as quickly as she could, like she wanted to get out of there. She kept saying, I'm so tired. I'm so busy. I'm a single mom. So he's like, all right, I'm just asking one more question, and then we're done. So he asked the question that Eric lifted up earlier. He said, Rachel, have you ever had an experience where you really felt ministered to, like you felt so ministered to, that you felt like it was the presence of Jesus Christ.
0: And immediately her whole disposition changed. She said, "I have I've never told this story to anyone before," she says. "I've been telling you throughout this interview that I'm a single mom, but I never told you why I'm a single mom." She said, "4 years ago, my husband went on a business trip to Chicago. He was gone for about 13 and a half hours and She said, I got this phone call from an employee at the hotel, and it was this young guy. He was very nervous. He kept kind of stumbling over his words, kept saying, ma'am, he just, he couldn't get the words out. He said, well, you know, my manager asked me to call you. I've never done anything like this before. Um, Here, ma'am, your husband was staying at our hotel, um, and it seems that there's been a terrible accident. And ma'am, uh, our, our cleaning crew went into his room this morning and, and found him, and he's, he's unwell. And then he just said, ma'am, he's dead. We called the ambulance, and they came, and they just they couldn't revive him. My manager asked me to call you because we need you to come and identify his body.
1: And she said when she heard that, she felt like all the color just went out of the room. She had a toddler and a preschooler, And her first thought was, my life is over. She got out a business card, and she wrote the address to the hospital morgue on it, called her mom, asked her to stay with her children. And then her plan was to get on a plane in Seattle and fly to Chicago, get off to identify his body, get back on the plane, and fly back to Seattle. And she knew nobody in Chicago.
0: So she got on the plane, said the flight lasted 13 minutes, it lasted 13 hours. The grief was so heavy that she didn't even really feel like she was in time. She said, I got to O'Hare Airport, walked to the cab stand, gave the cabbie the business card with the address on it that would go to the hospital morgue. And so he started to drive. She said, I should have noticed this, but I was so drowning in grief that I didn't. I didn't notice that the cab driver had parked the car. He didn't just drop me off out front, but he parked the car. The people in the hospital took me back. She says, I was standing there, and I waited, and I knew that this was the moment. She said, I knew that this was the moment my life would end.
1: And so they brought her husband's body on the gurney, and the man was about ready to pull back the sheet. And at that moment, a hand rested on her shoulder, and a water bottle came out in front of her, and she started to cry. And she said to Andy, the person whose hand was on my shoulder who brought the water bottle, it was the cabby. She said, it was the cabbie I have never felt so ministered to in my whole life. She said, I got back on the plane, and I did not know how I was going to go forward. But I was sure that God had not abandoned me, that I had experienced the presence of the living Christ in that moment. And she said she had never told anyone that story.
0: She was able to believe again because of an encounter with this cab driver that to her at the worst moment of her life was the concrete presence of the living Christ. Now, we don't know the cab driver's story. We don't know if if he knew that address well and knew what she was about to face. But there was something that moved him to go beyond just doing his job. And Andy shared that that cabbie too needs a community that he can go and tell this story. You know, something happened to me the other day that I need to share with someone. To share that he doesn't know what moved him, but he saw the address where this woman had to go, and he knew that he just couldn't leave her alone. He too needs a community that will hear that story and say, that was the Holy Spirit. That was God moving, calling you into a place of the cross to participate in death for the sake of life. That is who this God is who comes to us in Jesus Christ. The God who goes into death to bring life out of it, who goes into impossibility to bring out a speck of hope that possibility may come.
1: I think we know that this resurrection news can be really hard to believe at times. There are so many things that pull for our attention, that direct us away from the presence of Jesus and the life that he has for us. And there's also so many things that can threaten to discourage or to overwhelm us, which is why we need to share these experiences, these experiences from one another where we have experienced the presence of the living Jesus with us in very real ways, and then to go and be that for one another.
0: The angel at the tomb that first Easter morning tells the women to go and share the news. And as they go, they're filled with great joy, Matthew tells us, but also fear. And Jesus meets them and again tells them to go share the news. Again says, do not be afraid. And this same Jesus meets us and sends us out as we go this Easter morning. May we also go and share where we have experienced the living Jesus ministering to us through the people around us. Because this is the Easter story that shapes our lives.
1: And when we have a hard time seeing it, may we, with the Holy Spirit's power, try to be it for each other. Like my faith community had done for me, like this faith community has done, like Eric's friend did for him, like that cabbie did for Rachel. Might we be a people who are willing to go into the hard times and places, to go and pe- pe- be with people in their deepest need, in times where it seems like life is dead, like it's lost its meaning and purpose. Might we be, have the courage and be willing to go be present, to help each other in those experiences, see that the living Jesus is there always, working to bring life even in the midst of death. Thanks be to God. Amen.